Welcome to the Lead and Follow podcast. I'm your host, Sharna Fabiano, author of the book, Lead and Follow. And I'm pleased to bring you the latest research, insights, and educational techniques in the emerging field of followership to help you connect and collaborate better with the people around you, whether you're leading or following. Please do leave us a review in your favorite podcast app, and thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Grace Wright. Grace has worked in hunger relief services for the last 12 years, managing hunger centers in the greater Cleveland area. Currently, she serves as the board president of the Euclid Hunger Center and is the community resource manager at University Settlement, a social service agency serving the Slavic village neighborhood of Cleveland. She has an undergraduate degree in social work and nonprofit management, and in August 2022, she completed the John Carroll University's MBA program. In her free time, she's an avid music lover and enjoys spending time with friends and family. I'll note for listeners that this is actually part two of the John Carroll University series. So if you missed part one, where I talk with Dr. Scott Allen about teaching leadership and followership, please do go back and listen to that. Grace is joining me today to share her experience with the John Carroll program and how her understanding of followership is influencing how she leads. Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. I really appreciate you coming on. I want to start by just kind of grounding listeners in a little bit of your experience. So would you share with us a little bit of what inspired your decision to enter the MBA program? For me, it was actually kind of an interesting decision at an interesting time in my life. At this point, I had been out of the classroom for over a decade, uh, but I had been really lucky through university settlement to kind of have an experience with Scott Allen and part of his leadership lab as a manager at University Settlement. So I had a little bit of background about kind of how he operates and what he's got going on at John Carroll. And I was getting a little bit of encouragement from my management team and executive director to kind of pursue further education. I always kind of assumed it would be social worker, nonprofit administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, you know, I chose to take the MBA route which was different, but I felt like it really gave me a much more well-rounded kind of experience and perspective and expertise that I can use to kind of further my career in social services. Fantastic. You know, so often it's like those relationships and, and experiences and little encouragements that kind of push us to the next level. And just highlight that because it's it's sort of just another reminder that connection, you know, is important and something we should cultivate. Absolutely. Definitely kind of lit the fire, I would say, for someone who had been out of higher ed for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate. I had a long period between my uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees as well. And we also have something else in common, Grace. Scott Ellen was the little instigator behind this podcast, Lead and Follow. So listeners might find that entertaining, but we got to switch roles, part one of this series. So I'm curious because you kind of came into the program in a way, like through uh, your connection with Scott, and he's done a lot of work around followership and leadership. So I wonder when you encountered that term in the program, followership, was that totally new? Have you already heard it? What was your first experience with that? I think for me, what was interesting and kind of an introduction for me in the program was thinking about followership independently from 
leadership. Mm -hmm. I think we get so caught up in what it means to be a leader that we really forget about how critical that role is for our followers or as a follower and how much influence we actually have within a team. So to kind of put that perspective and understand uh, the different roles that followers play and how as a leader, it's important to understand them so that you can actually utilize them uh, in the best way possible. Yeah, very well said. I'm curious if you have any memories of like exercises or stories or things that happened when you were in the program that kind of brought that to life for you? I would have to say, and I don't know if this actually has anything to do with you, but we did watch a video of kind of the tango relationship. I know that you are a tango instructor, so I'm not sure if it was that video because it was a little (laughs) while ago, of um, the role that the follower plays in that dynamic. And the leader really can only do so much without the cooperation of the follower. So that really stuck with me mostly because, again, I think we just get so caught up in the role of the leader and that all of the responsibility is on that person in that position. Uh, So I think that that was one of those standout moments that really kind of highlighted just how critical that relationship really is. Yeah, thanks. That Tango video has really made the rounds. Um, So (laughs) if you haven't seen it, listeners, check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Yeah, and that also just reminds me that we do put so much on leaders, right? And we kind of have this almost like exaggerated expectation and that acknowledging that there's another force there can somehow make it a little bit lighter load. I think, you know, a more sustainable load for the leader to know that if you're in that role, you can depend on the people around you and that you, you should really, you know, that everyone kind of benefits from that. I absolutely agree. I think we forget that, we have a whole array of different kind of personalities and people in followership roles. But when you can identify those folks that are in the mix who really have influence among their peers, you can use that to your benefit. And like you said, kind of take a little bit off of your shoulders to know that your team and uh, the folks that are in that team can influence and, and have a little bit of sway with the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder how you started to kind of bring this into your work. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm totally clear on the timeline, you know, because you, you were doing so many things, you have multiple roles going on in the community and then, you know, you went back to your MBA. So maybe take us through a little bit of that transition, like maybe not even before you were finished, but how did you start kind of translating those ideas into your community roles? I think one of the biggest ways was understanding the fluidity of a follower Mm -hmm. and how your influence can dictate how someone can interacts within the dynamic of your team and in within groups. Mm -hmm. So understanding that in a certain given moment, you may have someone who, as Scott would call, like underground or in and opposed, Mm -hmm. how that can change throughout your relationship. So understanding that it's not stagnant and that how you identify where people are at can then influence how you work with those individual people to kind of get them where you need them to be. So I think the biggest thing was just understanding that there are traits that you can recognize 
And once you recognize it, you can then adjust how you're approaching each situation to then get the best out of your teammates and your team members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. I, I think that's a great reminder for us not to get too fixed in like the whole style categorization of things that that's useful, right. As you said, to understand both leaders and followers and how people start and how they operate, but that we're really not limited to that. You know, we all have development potential. And Mm -hmm. so realizing that and not over labeling someone, you know, whether they're a follower or a leader, it just invites more responsiveness from you, right. As the partner, um, as the person working with them and also, you know, for them and for the people around them. So that's a really good note. I appreciate it. Thank you. Grace, you've mentioned before that you interact with different types of followers at University Settlement in your particular context as a leader there. Would you take us through each one and maybe share a little more deeply how you connect with each of them around the organizational goals? Sure, absolutely. The interesting thing is, I think at the core, what I really try to do is take the same approach with all of the different types of Um, people that I'm working with Mm -hmm. in essence. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't, I don't make adjustments for each group. So obviously with staff, it's very much a structured supervisor, follower position. Mm -hmm. And then with our volunteers, I'm really lucky in the sense that they buy completely into the mission and they are there to serve. Uh, which makes it a little easier to kind of get everybody on board. Mm -hmm. And then that final piece with the work participants, now that can bring a lot of different personalities into the space. But I think the critical thing there is, of course, maintaining the same level of dignity and respect as I have with staff and with volunteers and with my peers, uh, but understanding that it's going to take a little bit longer to break through that shell and maybe some defenses that might already be in place and understanding that the experience level is just going to be different. So being able to use that information to work with folks as they come in, kind of gauge where they're at and then be able to build on what is already there and find different ways to really kind of spark their interest in something that they may have initially come into with no interest at all. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating and, you know, and amazing. And sometimes this, you know, the leadership centric literature kind of starts to sound to me a little manipulative, like I'm going to get these people to do what I want them to do, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're, you have, you know, the organization has a goal. And so you, you need to serve that. And what I like about what you're saying is that you're really acknowledging the agency of each of these types of followers. Like they are there for a certain reason and their reason is legitimate. You know, Mm -hmm. if someone's there and like, I'm here because it's a requirement and this requirement will give me something else. Well, that's important. You know, that's something to be like acknowledged and it might change or it might not, but just you as the leader acknowledging that and kind of adjusting your communication or I'm not sure, maybe you have some examples of how you adjusted your behavior in different kinds of incentive scenarios. But I think that says a lot, right? It says a lot about your respect for their role as followers and coming from different perspectives with different needs. It really is about the individual and meeting them where they're at when they come into that space. 
because of scheduling and Mm -hmm. some volunteers are there only on Mondays. Some are only there on Fridays. We don't have a lot of time to actually be in these kind of team settings where we can have a team meeting. So it really is about the individual person, but also creating that sense of team throughout the week. And it is really with staff more about development and growing them as an individual in their career, uh, particularly in that role as a coordinator. It is more of a development role, I would call it. Mm -hmm. So that is a different perspective for sure, because it really is about how can I help you meet your goals? Mm -hmm. Whereas with maybe our volunteers and our work participants, it's really how do we meet the goal of our daily distribution? How do we make sure we're all on the same page about how we operate within this space? Mm -hmm. And that also comes through our coordinator as well. So making sure that they, there's a linear effect and everybody really understands what our philosophy in that space is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I'm, tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. uh, But what I'm getting is that because of, because of the scheduling, you know, in a way, and because you're often dealing with minimal hours or volunteers, there's a lot of one-to-one relationship building. And I think that's interesting because we generally imagine the team as like one leader and then like this group, right? This sort of Mm -hmm. nameless group. But actually what a team is, is a bunch of one-to-one relationships, right? It's a whole bunch of pairs of people. Um, Your relationship with every single one of those people and then each one of the other people's relationship with all the others in the group, right? So it's like this matrix, at least that's how I think of it. Um, And I I love that you sort of highlighted that, you know, in your day-to-day experience, it makes it a bit more real. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I like about what you're saying is that there are different priorities, right? So following isn't one thing anymore than leading is one thing, right? And you have to really respect the, whether it's the developmental goal, you know, in your coordinator or a work requirement goal, you know, or uh, simply like a, I'm satisfied by fulfilling the mission goal. Like these are all really valid and you have to respect each of them and kind of um, collaborate with each of them. So I think that's a really um, wonderful point to see from both directions. Not taking for granted the role that they play and not just brushing them off when something doesn't work out is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even opening up the conversation and having dialogue really helps because then they feel like they're kind of part of the process as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just want to kind of underscore that this is not about like manipulating people, you know, as we sometimes think like in leadership is like, I'm going to get people to do what I want is, is it's through a genuine respect that you have for like, what's important to, to these individuals in a follower role. And I think that's just can't be overstated. Um, Cause in the leadership role, it's so important that we acknowledge that and, let it move us, you know, I wonder, since you've been doing this, you know, for, for uh, a while, how do you feel like it's changed you not only as a leader, but maybe in the follower, like when you were in a followership role with your supervisor or with a board member or someone else, how do you think it's affected your own mindset? I think for the most part, it has kind of reminded me that you're not just leading from a sense of self. 
Mm-hmm. And I think on the follower side of that, I've realized that although I don't always like to admit it, the leader does have quite a bit of influence on how you follow and how you interact within your team. And I think the one big thing I like to think about is that when you meet someone, whether it's your leader or your follower, you're seeing them in that moment. And you can only take it for so much because every interaction that you have, every obstacle that comes up, every conflict that arises, you learn a little bit more about that person. And you kind of have to take this journey to really draw a real conclusion. I think it's so easy to make assumptions, especially right off the bat after first impressions about someone's style or about kind of what their intentions are. And I think we have to be really kind of in tune with the little hints that everyone gives us throughout the different experiences that we have to be able to draw a more solid conclusion about kind of where anybody is at. And that that goes on the leadership side and the follower side. And I think every interaction is an opportunity to just learn a little bit more, gain a little bit more understanding and be able to then utilize that in ways that help you to be a better follower or help you to kind of lead in a way that is going to be more effective. Yeah, really well said. You don't have to answer this one, but I wonder if you have any examples of people you experienced one way and then experienced a totally different way, you know, like a week later or something. Because I think you're right. I think we do quickly, especially in terms of leader, like, oh, my manager, you know, is just like out for himself or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and we kind of stereotype, you know, but actually leaders are people too. And when we follow them, like, being able to see them as human is really key, right? It's a gift to them and to us. Yeah. I think one example would be, so recently we had a new volunteer come on board and my, you know, initially was, I'm I'm getting someone who's not following direction. I have to tell them the same thing kind of over and over again. And then I have another volunteer in my ear kind of asking me, you know, why, maybe this isn't a good fit. Why, why are you still kind of having them come in? And I'm like, each week that they come in, I'm learning a little bit more. I have a different understanding kind of about where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And when those things come up and I've given an instruction and it's not being followed through correctly, instead of just brushing it off, I can actually say, Hey, you know, I said, this is how this needs to be done. I see that you're doing it this way. You know, what's kind of going on here? And then getting a little more clarity of just how they receive information. Mm -hmm. So just because I can explain real quick, fast paced, hey, we got to make sure all this is stocked. I want this stocked here, this stock like this. This is how it has to be done. I can say that to one person, they're on it. Don't have to worry. Mm This person just took a little bit more when I had to slow down. Mm -hmm. I also realized that it helped to write the things down for them. Mm -hmm. And it was just a reminder for me to, to take a step back, take a pause and realize that people are at different levels and a different aptitude to really take in information. And again, it's not a reason to necessarily brush them off, 
uh, but it's just a different reminder for me to take a new approach. Yeah, great. Thank you. I want to ask you about another story and remind me if I'm if I'm misremembering it. But I know that there was a volunteer who had to kind of change his responsibilities completely, you know, mm-hmm. due to a change in physical condition. And I thought that was really also wonderful illustration of the different ways followers can serve in an environment and how you recognize that. Would you share that story? Absolutely. Yes, that's one of my favorite stories because <laughs> this particular part, it's they are actually a work participant uh, through AARP. And pre-COVID was very active in helping with unloading, stocking, a lot of the heavy lifting, helping people take their things out to their car. And then after COVID coming back, they had some really serious knee injury issues Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where it's really difficult to even stand. And initially coming back after this kind of extended pandemic break, he realized that he wasn't able to do the same types of things that he was doing. And he actually approached me and said, you know, boss, I'm, I feel like I'm in the way. I feel like watching you have to do all the things that I was helping you to do with is, is tough for me. I, I want to feel like I'm useful to you. And at this point, I just don't feel like I am. But what this person wasn't realizing at the time is that he actually brought something to the table that was really, really crucial to our space. Because I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but we are very much customer service driven. We want to make people feel like they are in a safe space, that they are welcome, that they are not being judged by the folks that are there. And his personality is perfect for that. He has a jovial spirit. He is uh, generous with his laughter. He makes really, he really makes people feel like they are part of this community that we're building. And I have to remind him even still sometimes often that that is just as critical as all of the other stuff that he was doing before, if not even more so, because again, creating a space where people feel welcome and people feel safe is a top priority. So it was really important to make sure that he still, he was welcome in that space and that he was still needed in that space, just in a, in a new capacity. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that story. I feel like there's so many little gems in there, you know, one just about like the different ways we can serve and the, you know, the many different pieces of value that we can add and the importance of recognizing that and looking out for that. Right. So as a leader, not getting too focused on, well, this is a job description. So, you know, it's that or nothing, but like, no, what are all the ways that these people can add value? So that I think is a fantastic gem. Uh, Grace, anything else that, you know, I haven't asked you yet that you feel like you've discovered about the leadership, followership or relationship that you like to share with listeners? I think the last kind of thing I would like to say is just remembering that we are constantly evolving Mm -hmm. and we have to consider that when we are working with our followers and with our teams and with our leaders, because even as a follower, what worked for me, you know, four years ago, five years ago would not work for me now. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's really critical to understand just the fact that we're constantly learning and we have to be willing to evolve with our teams and not stay in that same place and think that the same thing is going to work for everyone. Really making sure that we're not making assumptions about folks and why they do what they do, but understanding that there's always a why and it's not usually personal. So being able to get past that and really tap into the potential of the people that we're working side by side with. So beautiful. That's such an inspiring note to end on. I I really appreciate it. For me, I know that just using this framework, like leader and follower and giving everyone, no matter which role they're in, a voice and a, a place of value helps me remember that everyone's human, right? And it really helps us avoid the bias, like the hierarchy bias that, oh, the leaders are more important. No, actually everyone in every role is a human evolving and important. And I think you've you've said that so eloquently. So thank you. One last little note too, is just understanding that leaders are, are nothing without followers. So we can stand on a pulpit or stand on a, at the top of something and scream and shout, but If there's not people willing to listen to you and buy into what you're striving to work towards, then leadership really (laughs) is nothing without your followers. Yeah, I almost feel like leaders get to be human when they recognize that their followers are human too. It's like a virtuous circle, a virtuous cycle, so it's called. Well, thank you so much. I I so appreciate your stories and the context you're in is, I think, going to resonate with a lot of folks in a lot of different environments. So thank you so much. Best of luck. And I look forward to our next future conversation. Wonderful. It was such a pleasure to meet you and have this opportunity to sit and chat with you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Lead and Follow podcast. Special thanks to Glover Gill for composing our music. And thank you to all of our subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show with a paid subscription. And if your team or organization is interested in followership training, please reach out anytime. I'd love to help.